In the far future, faster-than-light travel is possible via portals called stiffworks. Human and alien civilizations travel this way for millennia. Trade, war, and technology proliferate. Countless societies rise, thrive, fall, and vanish. Eventually, almost everyone forgets the secrets of the stiffworks. Almost. 300 years ago, the worshipful company of Stillfleeters is formed on Spindle, a space station of unknown origin. They send fleeters into the void using stiffworks in search of profit. It is 100 million years in the future. Welcome to Float City. Previously on Float City, the crew reverses company refactor Zeshtino Novell's death only to learn they were likely set up to take the fall for it. They fight their way out of a too conveniently timed assault by the guard and the pirates, escaping to a bayside hideout belonging to Zeshtino's partner, Millen. The crew surmises the Anox, who sent them to check on Novell, is in cahoots with Archivist Tract, and they're conspiring to oust Zeshtino to freely trade weaponry into Kakudun a political powder keg long on the brink of war. They have perhaps succeeded on two fronts. A dead Mulrook in her apartment means Zeshtino is disgraced and a company refactor involved in the death of what some might call a freedom fighter could be the final straw for continent-wide conflict. The crew wants to get to the bottom of the scheme, but Zeshtino is singularly focused. No doubt the Pirate King, steady hand dealer, is considering selling the storehouse of guns she had him hold as conflict looms and prices skyrocket. She asks the team if they'll accompany her to Graffa, the pirate island off the dark sea coast, and amidst the sound of a riotous no-laster, they agree. We join the team now as they await the arrival of Millen, who hopefully will transport the crew and Zeshtino several days west to the court of the Pirate King. Mercus is doing push-ups and chanting, growing up, growing up. (laughs) (laughs) Oat is spotting Mercus. You got a foot foot on his back? I've got my two paws on your foot. Well, his arms? Spotting (laughs) push-ups? You mean you have your arms under his chest and you're like, you know, just like. No, you're giving me extra weight. Oh, my oh, I see. Yeah, okay. I, I'm, I'm putting my hand on Marcus's back and be like, all right, straighten out, straighten out. Yeah, yeah. Beta has her uh, papers out and she's writing down um, notes about what um, the emissary looked like. So Venus is looking over the, if he has access to them, the documents talking that is dealing with all of the specifics of exactly what they want to trade um, with the planet. But um, Zestano has been preventing. Uh, yeah, if you think there's a reasonable chance that you would have shoved it in your bag or, you know, yeah. in one of your giant pockets, sure. You I mean, can I have... guess it's technically uh, Zastano, so maybe it would be weird if I was just looking over her. Yeah, I mean, if you were holding but... it, yeah, you can have yeah. it. Yeah, okay. You have a little memento from the um, burned out <laughs> apartment. <laughs> yeah. All right, so you're all doing these things. The key wall, the stone key wall, unceremoniously disappears. And the first thing that you notice is the sound. Remy, if you're asleep, you might be woken up by this. Gun and laser fire, explosions, people shouting, engines revving, the sound of wood creaking and splintering and breaking, waves crashing against the pier and the boathouse. And then you see, standing in the boathouse, the man who opened the door, a sweaty, haggard and grave looking man. He's short and he's square. He's got these large, dark rimmed glasses and very short, thick black hair. He's wearing a long white rubbery coat over a stained gray jumpsuit. And he says, who the fuck are all of you? Zeshtino. And he runs over to her and they embrace for a moment. Mercus is mid push up and falters and just splats onto the ground. <laughs> you gotta want it. You gotta want it. <laughs> Remy's like, <laughs> he steps back and he looks at her. He says, I saw the painting and also the city. What the hell happened? 
and it takes a little while, um, and he is suitably credulous as Zeshno explains everything to this man who must be Millen Tulaney. She explains her murder, the reweaving, the Nolastrian guard, Boo, the pirates, the emissary, and with each passing subject, Millen looks more and more shocked and confused, like he doesn't know if he should be upset that Zeshno died, elated that she was saved, or angry that she was put right back into danger's path again after she was killed. She explains the trade deal, the Saffron Anox, Cracked, all of your suspicions. She introduces each one of you in turn. Uh, and actually, uh, while we are talking about introductions uh, in-game, uh, out of game, uh, in real life, I'm going to do a small introduction right now. Uh, joining us today is Wythe Marshall, the hello. creator of Stillfleet and a uh, old, good, very good friend of mine. Wythe, hello. Hey, thanks for having me, Mike. Thanks yeah. everybody. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, Wythe is a special guest on today's episode. You you don't yet know why. Um, <laughs> I'm assuming we'll get there soon enough, but we'll see. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, without further ado. Um, and she explains the guns and what she wants to go do. She wants to go to Grafa to have a chat with the pirate that she's been working with, Steady Hand Dealer. Uh, and she looks at all of you and she says, and uh, I think they're all I think they're all going to come, too. Very nice to meet you, Millen. Thank you so much for your hospitality. I mean, really a great place you have here. Uh, Mercus sidles up uh, very quietly and says, you wrote that letter? <laughs> he looks He looks at Zeshino and she, like, reaches into her shirt and pulls out the letter and, sh like, shows it to him. And then he looks at you and looks at her and looks at you and he's like, you can't go open another people's mail. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I just appreciate the content. <laughs> and he just bows out and just... Zestino looks at him and she says, and that's why I'm asking you if you... Will you take us to Grafa? And Millen says, you know that I can't go there. If they figure out who I am, you know what they're going to do. And you also know that that waiting guy that you're buddy-buddy with is, is, it's not safe. It's not safe for you to be hanging out with him. It's not safe for you to be friends with him. And she says, I know, I know. Can you at least get us to the Dark Sea Coast? And then he says, you are going to pay for all of our next vacation to the coronal state if it's still there by the time all of this is over and then she puts out a pinky and they pinky swear <laughs> oh i love them <laughs> <laughs> do they kiss their thumbs when they do it yeah you gotta that's how you yeah absolutely Feel do you do in. a pinky then swear with your then fiance it, in a different count. way no nobody does Right? Uh, that's how you get married, too. Little known mm -hmm. fact. Mm -hmm. He looks at her and he says, Okay, um, I mean, we should probably go sooner rather than later. And yeah, you look out behind him and through the open rock door, you can see the boathouse is swaying. It's complete pandemonium out there. It doesn't seem like No Laster is having a good day, as it were. Um, is there anything that you all want to do before you leave the relative safety of the folded city cave that you um, are magically occupying? Um, Millen, 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 Millen. Why, uh, why are you so, uh, why, why are you so, uh, afraid of Grafa? What's, you got some business there? Some go out, go well? Or bills? Some exes, you know, I know how love is. Don't, I don't know. She really does. No, she really does. He's, He's very confused that you want to choose this moment to ask this question, uh, and and that you have done so in such a roundabout way. Um, I'm almost picturing Beta like looking at a notebook, like sort of half looking at Millen while, yeah. like, while she's asking Not this question. Not making eye contact. Uh, the, uh, and he says, he says, ah, now I think is maybe not the time. Once we're uh, once we have some time to catch up, uh, I can explain. And he starts gesturing at everybody to leave to get out of the cave. I think Remy wants to make some finger guns at Millen, but that's it. Okay, he makes them back. Um, you guys head outside. Um, stepping from the cave into the boathouse is very disorienting as the ground goes from solid rock to rickety and swaying wet wood. You realize just how loud it is back in No Laster. It is like total bedlam. Um, you step outside now the boathouse, so you are fully outside now. You can see the city um, all, all along the horizon. Uh, you are off the coast of the peninsula called Arbide, um, and you see the maze of piers that you crossed only a couple hours ago. Is 
now partially destroyed and there's debris just floating all in the water. Uh, some of the larger boats uh, that are in the marina are on fire and the bay between Arbide and Nos is full of people trying to flee the city amidst a throwdown between the pirates, the guard, freedom fighters, supporters of the Republic, and anyone else who has an interest in this fight, which in No Laster is not a small number of people. So there are civilians trying to flee, there are people trying to trying to take this opportunity to let their opponents know what's up. Um, you hear sirens from the mainland, and you see groups of people on the shore confronting one another. Some are holding signs, some are obviously holding weapons, and you can see, tiny in the distance, members of the Nolastrian Guard out in riot gear. To the left, as you exit, is Millen's boat. It is a long, low, flat, and wide matte gray boat with a semi-covered stern cockpit and two water jet engines in the back. He rushes out uh, along the pier and jumps in the back and starts lowering the engines into the water as Zefjano begins to unlash the boat from the pier. Uh, looking back towards the shore at Arbide, you can see now a small group of Nolastrian guards elbowing their way, moving quickly across the pier, just pushing past people trying to board their own ships, completely ignoring any uh, vessels that are on fire, looking directly in your direction and making as much of a beeline as they can, considering that so many of the surroundings have been destroyed. Millen looks at all of you and says, time to go. Remy pulls out his flute and starts tootling. Marcus is admiring the boat. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good looking boat. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Remy's tootling while no laster burns. <laughs> Venus jumps onto the uh, the boat. Yeah, Mercus follows. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but... I think we're all in the same. Uh, I think we're all doing the same thing. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah. You all pile into the front of Millen's long gray boat. There are seats and handles all around the wide, low bow cockpit, and you are off. The boat springs out of the slip as Millen pushes the throttle forward. Uh, it is loud and it is fast. It starts spraying water everywhere. It feels very light, and Millen is just zipping in and around all the traffic in the bay uh, that is uh, amidst the bayou, uh, between boats closing in on one, or one another in pursuit around floating debris from whatever destruction has found its way into the water. The edge of the wide Nolastrian Bay is in sight as he's weaving his way through the fracas and the destruction and the commotion and all of the uh, littered uh, vessels around the water when you hear a very loud thud. You feel the boat jolt violently to the left and Millen shouts as he tries to regain control. You all lose your balance a little bit. If Remy is busy tootling and not holding on, uh, he falls down uh, just slightly and you look behind you and there is a tall scully boat, a kind of repurposed fishing vessel clad in plate armor and adorned with flashing lights. The Nolastrian guard has followed you. Oh. The Popo! Over a speaker, a voice says, The captain of this ship and its passengers are wanted for questioning in the death of a guard's person. Please dock at the nearest slip in Nose, or you will be immobilized, boarded, and detained. Uh, Millen, I don't know if you've uh, had a lot of experience with our law enforcement, but you should not pull into the nearest dock. Millen looks at Oat, nods, and pushes the throttle a little bit further, and the boat just, like, takes off forward. The Nolastrian guard is hot on your tail, though. It has a large gun in the front of it. It's a kind of turret-looking thing that someone is standing behind. As Millen is gaining some distance, you hear them start to crank on that gun. You hear this loud, kind of, like, clicking, winching sound, and the person behind it, you know, fires it. You hear this loud crack and a twang followed by the foom of a large spear, uh, a harpoon that is very quickly sailing through the air at the back of Millen's boat with a long length of rope attached to it being fed from a giant winch that's on the deck in front of that gun. Millen is going to roll uh, to move in time. He does great. Okay. Um, uh, Millen is very good at piloting his own boat and he uh, jerks the wheel and swerves out of the way and he cuts between two other boats trying to lose 
the Nalastrian guard, uh, this boat that's like slightly bigger than the space that he just snuck through. And they just clip the other two boats. They have this uh, reinforced hull and they are hot on your tail. Um, the guard ship pursues and it begins winching the line back in. Millen looks at all of you and uh, he is uh, like surveying the group and he points at Mercus and he looks at Zeshino and he said, uh, and he says, you said he was the one that pilots things, right? And Zeshino nods and he says, Jelasti, get over here. On it. And he like does a little cute like twirl (laughs) and like puts a very authoritative foot up on the dashboard like with knee up like hell yeah I got this. I'm just picturing Fred Durst is that okay? Grabs the wheel all in it for the nookie what's up? You don't you don't even let him like ask a question or anything you just like start piloting the boat. He just knows. Right Millen (laughs) Millen puts his hands up and looks at Zestino like wow all right I guess. I think Remy's going to take this moment to gunch up, put away his flute, and then gunch up. Did Remy take out his grenade launcher? Or, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I was, oh, okay. Yeah. You still have that out. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, Remy whispers to himself, she wasn't even fucking alive, man. Puts away his flute, takes a second, like, you know, pats himself down, looks through his pockets. He finds a bag of gunch, dips a little pinky in, does a little snort snort, uh, has, and uh, start readies a... Uh, a grenade. So I guess I got to pass a seven reaction check or reason check rather. As, so. as Beta sees um, Remy kind of starting up, you know, gunching, taking out his grenade launcher, uh, she pulls Zishdano and Millen kind of like down into a crouching position. Okay, oh. you're all hunching. You're all hunching in, in the covered the covered cockpit. Roll the six. <laughs> you turn the little knob on the front of it and there's some sparks that show up uh, that spark between the two ends of the calipers and then uh, there's like a little, a weird little face, like a sad face that shows up on the screen uh, and it <laughs> smells like burning ozone but nothing happens. Mm. Millen looks at Beta and is like, do you do you need something? Um, no, I I, don't, I was just, you know, trying to protect. Oh, you still want to know about the, I can't, uh, it has to do with my, it has to do with my research. I'll, I'll tell you later. Hold on. Okay, okay. Um, and, and he starts to, he starts to crawl towards uh, the back of the ship and he opens up uh, a hatch, uh, like in a storage container. And he pulls out something that looks like a giant mean spaghetti press, like these two spiked wheels that touch one another set inside these, set inside these curved guards. The whole thing is attached to a pistol grip and he holds it out behind him without looking, just like waiting for someone to grab it. Mike, have you been hungry when you've been riding <laughs> spaghetti monster? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Everything oh, is spaghetti. Pasta minded here. Beta beta grabs the whatever it is. Okay, yeah, you have the you have the thing. He doesn't tell you what it is. You now at this point hear another crack twang and foom. Mercus, another harpoon is coming, is uh, coming towards the boat. If you have an appropriate skill, um, you can use it for rockside craft. Otherwise, we would just ask you to roll movement. Yeah, I'm just going to have to roll movement. Okay. Oh, I didn't know this was going to happen. <laughs> That's an eight. Okay, you succeed. You jerk the boat to the side. Uh, yeah, tell me what happens. Tell me what Mercus does. I think Mercus can, on an ultrasonic level, hear the incoming. Uh, <laughs> like, he can hear the whistle of it moving through the air and ever so slightly jerks to the opposite side so they don't make any kind of contact. It misses by an inch but Mercus knew that's all you need. All you need is an inch. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't, <laughs> yeah. You don't need to do anything more than that. Um, then from the storage container that he has his head shoved into, uh, Millen produces something that looks like a shotgun but instead of an open barrel on the end is something that looks like a very small CRT television uh, and he turns around and he's holding it, he's cradling it in his arms and he looks at Zestino and he looks at uh, Venos and he looks at Remy and he looks at Zestino again and Zestino looks at Venos and then Millen hands this thing to Venos. Okay, so it look, it's a shotgun with a TV at the very tip of the barrel. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, I do. Yep. Okay. And, and Millen, Millen, when Millen hands it to you, uh, he looks you in the eyes and he says, only point this at water, okay? Understood. Okay. Uh, there is another thwack 
and a twang and a foom. Mercus, you got to dodge another Ooh. line. Oh my gosh. All right. That's a five. There is a loud sound of punching metal as a spear uh, hits the back of Millen's boat and embeds itself directly in between the two motors. You're very lucky that a motor was not destroyed, uh, but now the boat jerks to a halt or, you know, slows down significantly as it reaches the line and the Nolastrian guard starts to winch it back in. Millen points at you, Beta, and says, cut the line, cut the line, and points at the thing that you're holding and points at the thick rope that's attached to the end of the spear. Uh, Veda runs over to the rope and is it intuitive how to use this thing or? There's a we- there's two grinding wheels with a gap between them and the gap is about the size of a, of a big rope. <laughs> okay, well she puts it, she puts that rope in the gap. Roll combat. <laughs> Mercus is gritting his teeth and gunning it still even Breathe. though they're stuck. Can, uh, can Remy put away his grenade launcher and roll a cigarette? Yeah, sure. All right. What? Just gunched! <laughs> Where did you get a cigarette? I forgot. The cigarette increases the gun shy by 30%. (laughs) Thanks for explaining that in game terms. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Remy's not concerned. I, I think he's just like, yeah, they, they, they probably got it. They got some gadgets. This guy seems like he's prepared. Let's smoke Sorry. one. And he offers one to, to Zeshina. Uh, she says, no, I quit. I got eight. You successfully detach the very thick rope from the back of this tall, menacing-looking spear. It looks like a just like a, a piece of of pipe that someone has welded a kind of um, like bronze pyramid onto the top of, and uh, the winch starts pulling the line back to the Nolastrian guard. You now also have you know Millen's boat has a new accessory. Yeah, um, free spear. Free spear. Yeah. Uh, Millen goes over to the cockpit and um, uh, muscles Mercus out of the way uh, and retakes the wheel. Um, he is headed north. He now like pushes it even harder. Uh, he's heading north out of the bay towards an inlet that is going to be too skinny for the guard ship, uh, which also has too much draw. And actually, as you get closer and closer and closer, you realize that it doesn't look like there are it doesn't look like there's anyone in the inlet that he's going into. Uh, and it looks like it's actually it gets really shallow very quickly. Like it gets grassy like in the way that swamps do. And suddenly you realize why Millen boat is so uh, wide and so shallow, the draw is probably like a quarter of an inch. Like, it can probably float in a puddle. The Nolastrian Guard is still behind you. Venus knows that there's one rule for this particular weapon. Yeah. Um, it, you can only point it at water. Um, Venus sees water behind his boat and in front of the next boat. He points it at the water about 10 feet in front of that boat and pulls the trigger. Roll combat. <laughs> nice. Oh, I'll burn six. As you do this, Millen looks at you like kind of impressed that you that he just handed you this thing and now you're just using it without any further question. <laughs> well, Venus likes using his shotgun. Yeah. Um, doesn't always like what he does with it, but it's always necessary. <laughs> um, Damn. He gets an, get an eight. You pull the trigger and there is a kind of reverse recoil. It feels like something is trying to pull this gun out of your hands forward towards the direction that you are firing it. And there is a high-pitched whine and a soft click. For the first time, you notice that there's a readout on the side of the gun and the readout has a number on it and the number is two and it clicks down to one. And suddenly, the gun is no longer being tugged upon by some unseen force and the water in front of the boat where you aimed the gun begins to rain up. Hmm. You see fish flying far into the sky, disappearing into the clouds. You see a hole that quickly forms in the bay, a circular dark absence of water, and now flying dirt and debris and rocks and wreckage from presumably the bottom of the bay. As the guard ship crosses its threshold, it is picked up and part of it is lifted and tilted upwards and it begins to crack as two equal and opposite gravities fight one another as it crosses the threshold of where you fired this gun. The guards on board all shout and abandon ship. They jump overboard as the boat begins to float fully upward into this inverted zone that you've made (laughs) and follows the lengths of chain and the rusted wreckage that came before it and goes through a cloud and vanishes into the sky. 
Millen pushes forward on the throttle as hard as he can, and you make it into the swamp after a couple seconds and away from the fracas. Wow. Remy takes a big drag and says, I wonder what would happen if he did that on land. <laughs> um, Venus looks at the uh, the weapon with a lot of appreciation um, and wonder and um, pats it like a good old friend and dog and puts it by its side. Um, he's going to keep this. <laughs> <laughs> Millen, Millen says, like, he sees you, like, take a shine to it, and he's like, that's, that's yours. You can, <clears throat> that's, uh, That's highly you, illegal, right? That thing? You can, yeah. That's not. Yeah, I probably shouldn't be riding around with that anyways. It's a Skunk Works project. We're never going to make another one of them for obvious reasons. Uh, so, uh, yeah, just, just, um, don't point it at a person, because if you invert the gravity of only half a body, it's not something that you want to see. Maybe not something you want to see. <laughs> <laughs> and Beta goes over to Venus and is like, yeah, you should see what happens when I point this thing at water. And she's she's talking about the weird gear thing. That she has. It makes us sound like those things that you use to shine shoes. <laughs> <laughs> you really don't want to see it. <laughs> yes, you're right, Beta. You wouldn't want to cross us too on a, on a darkened alley, would you? You'd cut their rope and I would turn them inside out. <laughs> break beginning. Hello, Molly Templeton, the voice of Artemis here to tell you about another digital assistant we love. Liz Anderson's podcast Paired is told from the point of view of Perry, a digital assistant trying to help all manner of messy humans through their lives. This includes in the most recent episode, a character portrayed by Jen De La Vega herself. Like Fun City, Paired tries to find a little hope in the absurdity of the weird techno future. And honestly, we're all huge fans. Episodes are short, the guests are great, jokes are good, and insights are real. We'll put a link in the show notes, or you can go listen to Paired wherever you get regular dispatches from your various fictional digital assistants. Ad break, over. Thank you for listening. Millen's boat disappears into the tall grass of the bayou. The crew leaves the fighting behind them and, several meters into the swamp, hears an impossibly loud splash as the guard ship returns from the heavens. Millen goes slowly, careful to keep the engines quiet. It will be a day or two journey, he says, as they take the roundabout creeks and rivers west to the dark sea coast. On the first night, they all sleep in the boat, shrouded in a thicket of plants and taking shifts on watch. On the second day, they follow a winding creek through forest land and see only a few other, seemingly oblivious, travelers. They sleep on the banks of the water. That night, Venos has a long, animated discussion with the boat, and Millen explains to Beta he can't be seen in Grafa because of his work. His research involves a kind of aberrantly co-spatial physics particular to Kakudun, the bending and warping of distance which would make him of great interest to pirates concerned principally with logistics. When the crew arrives at the Dark Sea coast, Millen begs Zestino to not go, but she doesn't listen. In a stern, tearful goodbye, he tells her to meet him in the sea villages north when she's done. He floats away, his boat difficult to track in the whitecaps of the water. Zestino brokers passage to Grafa on a rickety ship from a small port town. The pirates there talk about how there's a price on her head, and how they really ought to just collect her and turn her into the guard. The subject matter is serious, but everyone, including Zestino, is laughing. She pays them, and everyone boards the dingy ship. It's a few hours west to Grafa, which can be seen plainly from the shore. It's a tall island, an elevated plateau in the middle of the dark sea, easily twice the height of the main continent. From the shore, you can see the bright yellow rock of its sides, housing untold storehouses and labyrinthine passageways carved above sea level and deep, deep into the planet's mantle long before the pirates called it home. The crew arrives, they disembark, and are vouched for by the captain and mate of the ship. 
ancient, sturdy stairs grafted onto the side of Graffa's rock pedestal lead them up to the city itself, which looks like a multi-level, derelict trader's town. An ancient, bizarre city, dense and bustling, not unlike No Laster, but with an unmistakable air of provocation, a smirking kind of trouble. Zestino leads you to the front door of an apartment in a small alleyway in this dense city. There's ornate blue-green tile work all along the exterior of the bottom floor of this building, but other than that, it appears no different from the hundreds of other buildings that you've just walked past. She knocks loudly on the door and waits for a second. She looks at the rest of you and she says, call him Shandy. And then she shouts, Shandy, it's Zesh. We have to talk. Uh, and at that point, uh, a number of things happen at once. Um, you hear a, a, a human child speaking in a Kakadine language you probably don't know, asking about cookies um, and have you brought them. And you hear a bunch of waiting children asking in rasp languages, which again, you don't speak, um, about essentially like the weight and equivalent of cookies, which would just be like a kind of trash to you. Uh, and four very large, <laughs> very well-armed weight and pirates. Uh, so big drink wranglers, uh, they have cork hats. Uh, they have all the traditional markings of pirates, um, completely undisguised, uh, open the door all sort of at once uh, because, you know, Waitons are very tall, but they don't occupy a lot of space because their limbs are very skinny. So they're kind of like in between each other, the way like kittens puddle, uh, but they're kind of a wall of bodyguards coming at you to search you. And they're very obviously just trying to tell, uh, is this some kind of threat? Like, are you rival gang member pirates trying to hurt them or are you here for any other reason? Uh, so presuming that you don't react in an incredibly violent way, uh, they just kind of look you over and decide you look weird, but not the most threatening people they've ever seen, and they retreat. And they're all mumbling in rasp. And Waitons um, sound very human when they speak human languages. They're very good at it, but they speak through their spiracles, through the holes in their legs. So you hear sort of uh, what sounds like some of the some of the same accents you heard in Olaster, um, but coming up, you know, from, from their boots. Um, like, yeah, I don't know, just more deliveries, whatever, boss. Um, and... <laughs> <laughs> After a moment, another different Waden comes down and says, um, okay, um, are you here to see uh, the Pirate King Grand Shandy? Uh, and uh, Zestino nods and says, yes, we are. Shandy! Shandy, yes, Shandy. Right, no, we, I know his name. He's my boss. He's... Uh, oh, right, yes. Uh, and no one has cookies for any of the children. Do they like gunch? <laughs> oh. uh, I, no. I'm so sorry for him. I, he's Remy a good person. Like, Remy feels extremely at home in this we weird, bad city. This is it's the first time he's felt <laughs> yes, like he's safe. Beta's in her bag he's right now. Gungeons. I mean, just has a couple of like nuts and bolts that she sometimes throws in her mouth and she looks at them and she puts them back in her bag. This waiting just kind of waits for you all to look through your things and talk about, uh, you know, various other things that are not cookies. And then uh, I'll take that as a no. And, uh, and he says, come come with me. It's up a couple flights. Um, and just, you know, act uh, act calm. No weapons out. Uh, and we will uh, treat you with the respect uh, that you show us as uh, the ruling force in this neighborhood, uh, being saw pockets, the lowermost of the pirate-controlled escape, which is, you know, this side of the island. Uh, you, you probably uh, don't look like you're from here. Just, again, you're meeting a pirate king, so... Uh, you know, whatever that means to you. <laughs> Technically, gender, it's, I mean, we're waiting, it's different, but you know what I mean. Uh, you get the, the, what's the word? Um, shandy. Uh, yeah, you get the shandy. You get the shandy. The house is very lively. You're, you're in what seems to be like someone's, uh, like a couple linked apartments with waiting families. Um, however, there are a number of human children as well. Uh, and uh, all, all of the adults seemed very heavily armed, but very relaxed. And many are probably smoking cigarettes or chewing onchfly. They're chewing like a, a, a live wriggling um, kind of caterpillar that gets you a little buzzed. Um, and yeah, the various children are basically trying to pickpocket you like incessantly, like asking you for things and being really cute, but like just hands going into whatever aperture you, you have down there. And uh, it, the, the bodyguard who did not give his name wants you to come all the way up, basically to the top. 
Um, Mercus respectfully uh, harpoons the ground as if there was a umbrella holder of some sort by the door. Um, but it makes this like twangy sound as if an arrow had landed. But uh, it's threatening enough that the children back away. But did Mercus Mercus brought the the harpoon? <laughs> with Absolutely him? That's did. Yeah, I, that's right, that's. Great. That's Mar- Marcus is hard now. Marcus is so hard now. He's a man. Yeah, I forgot that whole time travel thing. Really, y'all like went. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Remy's just letting the kids try and get stuff, but he warns them not to. He he says, "Don't touch the katana because if you touch that, you might die." Because it's just yeah, unsheathed. and don't don't uh don't touch my uh, waiting arm because also you might die, and not because it's cool because. <laughs> I don't know what it's gonna do. <laughs> Still not used to it, huh? It's, it's only been, been three days. <laughs> it's been, a, you know, it hasn't been a lot. It's been, I mean, it's been grafted to you. You nearly. Okay. Never mind. It's I not hear your fault. you. It's I, not I'll your fault. Take it's it not out. your fault. It's not I'll your fault. It it's fine. Right before I meet a pirate king, you give me this. <laughs> right before I meet a pirate king, this is what you would Here, say. Let to me, me. I, I got some. I got some rope. If you want to just so strap it down. As you go up, you you, you pass kind of dwelling, and you enter into an open scullery and kitchen. And there's a waiting um, who's who's fairly tall, middle aged for a wait. And you can tell they're getting a little older if you've seen a lot of the big drink wranglers. Who's pink with sort of bright orange um, on the the dorsal or whatever the the, the inside and uh, the outside's kind of a, a dark blue very spiny uh and he's got um the nicest cork stuff you've seen so far uh and has the most children around him and is apparently trying to teach them to bake something that looks like uh sort of if you had kelp and grits and tried to make like a chocolate cake uh and is explaining hmm. it in rasp and as you're coming up um he's muttering um electrolytes You'll be wanting electrolytes, um, kind of vaguely at oat. And maybe says the word in a few languages and then settles on, no, I believe the word for you might be electrolytes, son. You'll need more for your your limb, your digits. They're not communicating properly. You must drink more um, uh, sugar, water, basically, what we would do, you know? Gatorade. Oh, hey, twist my arm. (laughs) Okay, and uh, thank you. (laughs) Right. Uh, Grand. All right. Um, uh, Children. Wait, do you... Do you have like a pouch or something? Is there? A, I, I. That's rude. I'm sorry. What am I talking about? I'm actually a very good guest. You should see me at a wedding. Zestino I'm sorry. Looking at you like I'm nervous. I'm babbling. Shandy. 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 Right. Shandy. Correct. Yes. Uh, yeah. Steady hand dealer. But most people just call me the Grand Shandy. I don't know how rhyming slang happens to work in your language. Whatever I'm saying, if it happens to rhyme, that's a lucky coincidence that it also rhymes in your language. <laughs> it rhymes really well in rasp. It's really, really quite smart. <laughs> I feel like everything would rhyme and rasp. But feel like I feel like every word ends in a. Well, it's six dimensional because you can rhyme with the pheromones, and it doesn't. Oh, I didn't think of that. Yes, yes. Okay. Well, that's great. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, and the children let them depart. Um, except, yes, Arashi, you never leave. And the one human child just like stands stock still, is like not acting like the others, uh, just like next to this this very tall aging waiting. Uh, and he looks around his kitchen and sort of is going to offer you something, and then sort of skips and says, uh, "Zesh, Tishtano." Uh, which brings you here um, to my home in these times of turmoil. I've, I've heard from our, our runners, our, our fastest boats say there might be a bit of trouble back where uh, I believe you lay your head, typically. Uh, yeah, about that. Um, I mean, I don't know what you heard, uh, so I don't want to tell you the whole story if, you, if you've already heard it. But um, if you take my word for it, someone tried to kill me. This man um, was very kind uh, to great cost to himself and his friends. Uh, he managed to save my life, but uh, someone sent the guard um, to find me and presumably them uh, to frame them for the the hit. Uh, they found Boo. Um, I don't know if you know Dabuli Restulna, but they found one of yours, a, a pirate, dead uh, in my apartment. He was the one that was trying to kill me. Um, and, you know, I mean, you know how things are. The guard shows up. They find some fleeters in a room with a dead pirate, and then and then Canary showed up, uh, and he uh, saw the guard, some fleeters, and his dead friend Boo. We we managed to get out of there, but not before No Laster turned into basically a war zone, and I'm afraid that's just gonna spread like a festering wound from the center of the continent. And I'm here to just say, I know. I know someone's got your ear and I know they're telling you to release the guns and that you can charge an arm and a leg for them. And I'm here in person. I didn't send a courier. I didn't send a boat. 
uh, I didn't send, I, I just, just me and my friends, um, who actually I've only known for a couple of days, uh, but they're good people to ask you to not, to ask you to just keep honoring the deal, um, and to not arm these people who want to kill one another. He comforts Zishtano and, uh, and says, typically when you bake a pie, uh, of various sea organisms that need to be heated. Uh, you must heat it exactly the right temperature for exactly the right amount of time. And there's a sort of peak when the fibers break down and the, uh, the volatile chemicals um, become aromatic, as it were. Uh, and then beyond that peak, it becomes, and Grand Shandy takes off one of his gun bandoliers uh, and just hands it to Zestano and says, leather. Uh, and unfortunately for you, um, you've put me in a bit of a situation, um, and not just me, because I'm merely the holder of the cork sword and thus ruler of the dark seas. But in uh, reality, you might call the pirate king more position like, um, warlord or, um, boss of a pyramid scheme, uh, meaning that uh, it's a house of crackers below that could fall at the merest, uh, whiff of trouble. So, um, you've put me in a situation of having to, uh, right when the market is hottest and guns are most in dire need of supply and me having all the supply have to go back to all of my lieutenants and their lieutenants and so on and so forth down to, um, the little children we have, uh, you know, running around stealing for us, uh, did I say that out loud? Um, we have to tell them no gun, sorry, can, no can do, and uh, and eat that uh, potential profit what? and just not make it. Just goes away. Uh, and you're saying the guns are the shrimp in the shrimp cake. I exactly. I don't think he said yeah. shrimp, but yeah, I take the, um, I take the Zeshina point. looks at looks at Grand Shandy and says shrimp. and says, I understand. I understand. What if what if I told you this? What if I told you this is exactly what someone wants to happen? And she looks at all of the rest of you like, you know, this is the thing we were just talking about in the boathouse, right? And she looks at Grand Shandy and she says, what if the only reason the conflict exists as it does right now, the fighting that's currently happening is only because someone who is much more powerful than the rest of us wanted that to happen and not because this is what the people who are on Kakudun want. I mean, I know in a sense it's what they want, but like, you know... I know it's complicated. Not us. We do not want it to happen. And I want to be very clear that it's not us who want it to happen. That was but my I first question. So thank you, or whatever yeah. your name is, uh, for clearing <laughs> that right now. Veda Combat. Very nice to meet you, Shandy. The Grand Shandy. Yes, it's a title. Thank you. The nice Grand to meet you. Shandy. And she uh, curtsies. He does <laughs> arm things. <laughs> um, and she gestures to the rest of the crew and she says, I I I'll let them tell it how they want to tell it. But what I understand is that the Saffron and Knox put them up to killing me um, or put, put them up to come and find me so that someone else could frame them for my murder because he's got some interest in this. I don't, I haven't put, put it together. And frankly, I don't know that I ever will. I just want to stop what's currently unfolding from unfolding further. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, the, you know, the fucking company, like they set us up. We're fleeters. They're definitely setting you up. You're not even fleeters. But yes. We, for what? I mean, money. I don't know. I mean, the company owns so much stuff, but they're always looking to get their noses in a little, another little burrow, little truffle pigs. Going for the truffles. We, we don't know how far the corruption has spread in the company, but we know of one man. Archivist Cracked is working with this um, Saffron Anox to supply guns and weapons to your planet. Weapons for war. And in order for them to do that, they needed to do two things. One, remove Sashtano herself, who was impeding this trade of weapons. They've done that while framing us for it as well, and also implicating you, your pirates, and everyone else. When you release your guns, you will start the war. And when the war is started, they will have a market for the large weapons they wish to sell. Venus gives him the, uh, the document filled with the type of weapons he's talking about. These are not cattle prods and bimbo whippets and whirly-doos and little <laughs> guns with nets that shoot at people and <laughs> bind them up like in a children's movie. These are real guns, guns that could destroy cities. These are the guns that they wish to sell. You are their patsy, and we are as yeah. well. I, I just, I do want to point out that uh, as far as us getting set up and you getting set up, we got set up because we got, we got blackmailed for 
I guess it doesn't really matter what happened, but we got we got blackmailed here, and we're that's we will somewhere where we shouldn't that's be. That's the only yeah, reason so. we're here. Like it's not it's not that deep. What we know is that Boo was somehow used as a tool. Do you have any any recollection of how of Poo of Boo saying anything or doing anything that would make you believe that he was out to kill Zastano? Uh Boo? No, no, I don't know Boo too well, but um, oh. quite possible. Um, I should explain there are factions within the pirates. Um, yes. We're not all of one mind. Well, yes, naturally. Yeah. Uh, and um, obviously, uh, I can understand what you're saying, that you want to avoid massive, unnecessary bloodshed, which is bad for business and uh, uh, maybe unethical would be the word in your language. Um, <laughs> uh, however, there are those that want to um, accelerate it. You might call them accelerationists. And there exists this belief, um, probably where you just were, out in the jash, uh, among some of their peoples. And the same here, you'll find some of the pirates even believe we'd be better off uh, were Wolf to uh, march on Hooktik and the other uh, uh, southeastern nations and start a war that would encompass the whole continent. Why? Well, uh, for a couple of reasons. Logistically, we're positioned not on the continent, but off the continent. And secondly, we have all of the guns. Uh, and so that puts us in rather good uh, place to sell them on our ships, which again, not actually uh, within range of their uh, current weapons. Uh, so the accelerationists have a point there. Um, I am sympathetic with all of you that I don't want uh, all this unnecessary fighting and killing and whatnot. Um, you know, there's lines and then there's lines. Uh, there's fighting and there's fighting. And um, it's one thing if it's a couple of mates at a bar and there's a disagreement and one of those mates uh, needs to have one of his limbs removed and he points at Oat. This happens all the time. It's perfectly hmm. ordinary society. We'll ne never get rid of it probably. Uh, however, yeah. um, it's normal. It's fine. It's totally fine, fine, fine. But destroying cities. Um, can I take a look at this in a little more depth? Uh, I'd like to, you know, do my um, due diligence and whatnot. And uh, his hands are idle. Yes. Looking at whatever Venus offers him. Uh, Mercus sucks in his teeth and uh, is looking at the ceiling and thinking out loud. Say, say you release and sell these guns and you deplete the stash and everyone on Kakadun murders each other. And you're left here. What's going to stop the Saffron Anox and Hracht from going after you? Um, well, this is quite a, uh, a far-fetched uh, scenario that you're asking me to buy into, but um, that would be a bad <laughs> outcome. I agree. I agree. Uh, no questions about that. Um, what? Yes. Hey, look, Grand Shandy. <laughs> I've only known these people for like a couple of weeks, I think. Um, but, you know, since I've joined up with them, I've seen shit that would turn your hair white. What they're saying is true. All this is a setup. Someone has been designing and moving the pieces to make this exact thing happen and to put you exactly in the position that you describe. And I'm guessing you're not in on it. And if you're not in on it, I don't think they're going to benefit from seeing their plans come to fruition. It's a big club and you ain't in it. But hey, if you are, like, you should tell us. So we're, you know. <laughs> but if he is, he's not going to well, tell I us. Mean, but, but he should. He should. <laughs> right. Okay. I just want to say that. <laughs> it would be nice if you were in on it, if you would tell us. Just yeah, it's, it's, I, I'm not in on it. I'm not in on it. Cards on the yeah. table here, yeah. man. Like, we're being honest. We're being open. We're communicating. Can I gunch up in here? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Look, um, my question is, all right, let's say, let's walk down a theoretical road. There it is. It's a beautiful path. Maybe there's some birds on one side and they're hissing at some rats on the other. Why? They're brain rats. The rats with the exposed brains that are colony organisms that can control yeah. your mind. It, yeah, yeah. Birds hate Yes, them. yes. Anyway. Yeah, dime a dozen. Uh, oh, yeah. We've all seen this scenario. I yes, go not, on. But I will go along as though I have. Yes. Metaphorically, we're walking down this path with us, and we don't want to sell the guns, but we have all the guns somewhere beneath Graffa that only Zestano, myself, and a couple of my trusted uh, mates know about. Uh, what would you like me, or this theoretical person who has all these guns anyway, to do with them in this theoretical scenario? We're just walking down the road, having a chat. We're not necessarily going there. We're talking about going there. The safest thing to do would be to destroy the weapons that you possess. Oh. If that can't be done, then the only thing we can ask is that you keep them locked away and so that the war cannot stop. Or we could use them to murder people. I think that's the other option. Or... We don't need 
thousands of guns to murder well, people. We could do that with our minds. I think maybe you can. Yeah, if you know, you so, can do it with yeah, your mind. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't go for everybody. Um, well, what about you? You have nanites yeah, that could do it. That's not my mind. That's like other. scarier than what anything I could like do. A shush, shush motion, and she looks at at the grand at Grand Shandy, <laughs> and she says, she says, I, I am prepared to um, continue paying rent, as it were, on the space that is used to store the guns indefinitely. And if you see this turn of events as reason to increase uh, the amount of our agreement, I find that to be amenable. Um, I don't know how high I could go. I will be honest. I do not know if I will be able to offer you more money in the long run than you would get from selling them directly. But as you said, which is the more ethical path to walk down? Right. Well, um, in this metaphorical little ramble we're taking, say there's a couple of gents on either of our shoulders, larger than us, with weapons already happened just to be pointed, just as friends do, at our backs. And we do this thing that they don't want us to do because they can, to your point, make more money doing what they want to do and selling the guns. In this case, um, it might be expedient for you to help me remove their weapons uh, so that uh, doing what you say uh, wouldn't... Um, wouldn't just result in my uh, being deposed as Pirate King, which is not like a lawful proceeding. You're not called into a boardroom. There's not votes. Right. Yes. We guess yes. it's much messier than... Are we yes. getting pitched? We're getting pitched. It hey, is actually called a messy pitch. We're getting pitched. He's pitching us. I mean, look, if you want us to do stuff, we're pretty good at doing stuff, including and uh, up to and including murder. He's saying he'll turn the other way if we destroy the guns, but he can't be responsible and he can't hold on to the guns much longer or else the people underneath him will take his little antennae and put them in his holes and things like that. Wait, slow, slow down there, Hero. Before we get to the guns, there's actually <laughs> oh, right. uh, well. the, the, the removal of the weapons pointed at me, uh, both metaphorically and probably um, in real physical reality as soon as I step out the door. Yes. You might see here um, that we practice what we used to call uh, the old way and now we might call it a trade. And he points at the human child next to him. And uh, he says the trade uh, is the only way, uh, according to the old way, that two warlords can ever truly be at peace, which is when they're bearing equal uh, opposite arms at each other's faces. So they trade the ultimate weapons, ready to fire at any moment, their own bairns. So uh, this child you can see here is not my child uh, being a human, and uh, I would like you to, to recover my children from my chief rival among the pirates, who's more allied with uh, the Plutarchs of Gazioum. Uh, anyway, she's probably the second most important of the pirates here in Grafa. And if you do that, um, it'll be a lot easier for me to convince the council of other uh, various warlords and whatnot, brain rats, some of them, we forgave them, uh, and uh, do what you like and not sell the guns. Um, if you don't do that, then I'm risking uh, literally my own flesh and blood. Uh, so that's what I'd ask you to do. I would do it myself, of course, but it would involve an army of pirates shooting at another army of pirates. And uh, you look like you all might um, be helpful in this regard. And a bit more flexible, and Mercus flexes. <laughs> Zestino's you know, like, you're asking us to kidnap your own children. Kidnap kids. Kids. They're not born rescue. yet. Um, yeah, sure, sure. I, rescue I, to rescue I'll, your children. So here's here's the question that we have that I personally I don't I can't speak for anybody else, clearly. I mean you you've seen this. I can't you speak cannot. for them. No, no, and I wouldn't presume. However, how much murder are we allowed to do? Older murder and you won't, except not my friend. Uh, you can't. Oh, okay, kid. yeah, okay, great. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, we, we got this. Yeah, this is easy. Right. It's cake. Sure. Who's your friend? Grand. Uh, her you name's Tay. Tay, she's the most powerful pirate older than the cork sword holder. Mercus's eyes are glassy, and you can hear a tiny violin. <laughs> I'm sorry, we've been on a boat for three days with nobody else to talk to. <laughs> They're not born yet? No, no, they're eggs. Uh, they will be born <gasps> when they're taken out of the... Um, oh, yeah, he loves eggs. Coolerator. He loves eggs. No, uh, he flashes back to when his branch of eggs was taken from Darusan by the co. And the, the violin music, he's just like... <gasps> re-triggered. <laughs> we must save the eggs. So he's on board. Yes. Would you like uh, us to bring back this little human as well and make a trade or just take the eggs and 
come back. No, no, that would be removing my weapon at the back. It's like if we had arms that were stretchy and could go behind each other's okay. backs with mm. the weapon. So I want my remaining place see. with the weapon, and I want you to gingerly remove without hurting uh, Taye, because um, at the end of the day, not only is she an important uh, cog in the whole machine that I know how to maneuver, the cog goes one way or the other way, whatever. Um, if there's mm. an unknown unknown, then I can't promise you that I can protect the guns. So that's important. And uh, second of all, she's a mate. So uh, don't kill her. Um, but uh, kill but yes. everybody under her. Uh, well, you don't no. have to kill anyone. But sure, you can no. kill everyone. Just don't kill her. And oh. the child stays here with me. And you bring the eggs here. And then I have all the cards. And then the guns stay underneath Grafa. And no one knows about them except probably some brain rats who... I hate doing stuff for the greater good. I don't like it. It's complicated. It's confusing. But I don't see any other option. So I guess I'm in. Yes. Is there some way that pirates do promises so that we can be assured that the guns will stay here after your children are returned? Pinky? Sure. Yeah, I've got a couple of them. And he he offers we could si- we could simultaneously do it. We don't have to. We could do something else. We could like I want to do the pirate. No, no, no. Promise. I want to do the thing where you like you spit or you cut your hand, you just like ah. Uh Zestino looks at looks at the Grand Chandy and says, I think uh I think this is a roundabout way of saying we agree. I imagine this is not going to be easy. Well, um, it depends. Uh it's probably not something that she's expecting because we've been um in a good state up until now, both making money off holding the guns and various other uh, licit and illicit activities, as you'd imagine, being pirates. Um, but at this point, she might be on more of a watch. And um yeah, certainly if you're caught, I mean you'll be facing uh, a pirate's uh, home guard, uh, in essence, if you break mm. in. Um I can tell you she does live in a large mansion that's fairly isolated from the rest of Grafa in the poshest district. Uh, it's called Sadman Beach. It's an artificial beach at the top of the dunes that the rich built. They brought in all this sand just so it could sort of rain down so people could look up and see a beach above them, like the beach below, but uh, uncluttered by houses and litter and um, dead people and whatnot. Um, so the- <laughs> Ooh, fancy. Yes, yeah, Sadman well, That's beach. very nice. Oh, uncluttered for now. Well, right. You're that's, gonna a threat. Threat. that's a threat. Yeah. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, you get me. Yeah, you right. get me. You get I like this one. He's the only one who really looks forward to killing people. I just want you to know. We're going to try not to, yeah. I think, the rest yeah, of Yeah, we could yeah. sneak, but when it's, time, when it's time, you know. Right. He's hungry, I think. He's probably hungry. He eats people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Hey, you got any? Wow. I mean, if you got any, if you got any, like, stuff in the back, like, let me know. That's cool. I mean, not here. This is, there's children here, but no, yes. No, I, know I don't need, tr- I mean, I would, but I don't, I mean, if any of them touched a sword that was at the door, that was mine, and they may, they may have died, that's fair game, I guess. Uh, Shandy, is there any type of special care we need to take with these eggs, say, once we retrieve them? Uh, can we just put them in our bag? Uh, sorry, I don't have much <laughs> experience handling eggs, so I guess that's showing. Uh, that is a fair question. Um, they're fairly robust being eggs for awaiting. So they're about yay big, pill shaped, gray, leathering. Uh, and, uh, you could drop them. It's probably not good for what's inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's eight of them and they'll be in a small box that keeps them cool. It's fairly simple. It has some sort of fan and some sort of coolant liquid. Very expensive, I'm told. Uh, but I know Taye would have, um, you know, spent, uh, whatever coin was necessary. And, uh, that's about all I can tell you. I haven't named them yet. I have a list. Uh, yeah. But yeah, get them back as soon as you can And uh, we'll have it all sorted And if you want to do a real pirate's promise We can drink some uh, Collider Gin Which is just gin that when you drink it It's metabolized in liver in such a way That it creates uh, kaleidoscopic crystals On part of your chitin Or um, if you don't have chitin, keratin I guess your skin, as it were um, And you'll just have sort of a kaleido patch And it's permanent yes. And it's the deal Wait, skin or yes. fingernails? Because keratin and, uh, and skin and, you know, different stuff Your majesty, give me skin drink well, I think we should all do it. It's the okay. only way to ensure that the guns wait, remain wait, where they one are. One question. How cool does it look? It's a kaleidoscope. Of course it's cool. Wait, yes. Very Dude, cool. I have aesthetic concerns. Anyway, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> um, he also, he does have another thought, which is um, if he has something that he's never been figured out, uh, he, he doesn't know how to use. Like he knows what it does. He just doesn't think it's that useful to him. And he's willing to give it to you to just aid you in this um, venture if you want. Um, and it'll just be a sort of a bonus for, for doing him a solid. He says he'll explain it, but it's a little weird, and he thinks it might be useful in breaking and entering, um, but it's a little dangerous. Uh, and he pulls out a little uh, like pillbox, which has exactly five pills inside that look like lead tablets, and uh, he calls them subterrane pills. And he explains that if you eat one for the next 6.67 terasol minutes exactly, you will move through 
anything solid that is not water, basically is not water, water soluble, uh, as if it is liquid, uh, and then water normally. So you will drop right through like a house. Um, you will do- cause some structural damage. You'll leave kind of a hole. Um, and if you don't stop yourself by hitting water, you will just go down and down into the crust. Into the magma. Yeah, eventually. I mean, wow. I don't know how long. Probably, what, would probably. blood work? Like if you hit, if you exploded a guy and then you hit that, would that work? It need to be enough volume of blood to actually stop the momentum of so your body. So it'd be like a couple guys. Yeah, it'd be like a <laughs> um, but, Oh, that's cool. You know, that's some some people use them for B and E's here, and uh, they usually don't succeed. But uh, here we are. I have a few on me, and uh, frankly, I was just going to uh, chuck them at the brain rats. Um, you know, try to hit them into little brains. Oh, actually, you got some. You got some of those rats around, huh? You got you got you got a couple. They live underneath. Yeah, but you, yeah. do you have like a. a cage of them could, could what i'm asking is if we wanted to take one in feed it one of these fucking pills and then just drop it through the ceiling could we do that <laughs> you uh you well could you'd have to find a brain rats um i assumed you had so i you know i no 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 we we are in their cage to them you know i assume you were the master of this domain i i, I <laughs> I'm sorry, I was wrong. <laughs> I'm the most powerful warlord on graph difference. It's uh, yeah. What if we borrowed one of those? Yeah. Beta grabs the pills and puts them in her bag along with all our there other pills. So I think during this talk, probably before he gives you the pills, and and that's before you drink the kaleidogen, he um produces he he has one of his runners fetch a map, and this is um like primitive uh, lamination, like maybe 1930s kind of plastic to us. Um, so it's kind of rolled up or scrunched up, but it's like a big map of the city. And he's marked a bunch of stuff up and then tried to unmark it because the city's being rebuilt all the time. Uh, and also, uh, you know, the tides come in, the tides come out, rocks fall, mysterious rocks sometimes appear. Uh, and he has uh, clearly indicated uh, Sadman Beach and shows that at the south end of Sadman Beach is a very uh, low, long, kind of ranch-style, beautiful, we might call postmodern house. It's it's uh, got large, glassy front doors, three of them, and a little back door. And um, other than that, it looks fairly secure. So it's got a lot of small windows that are thick um, and lock. And it's got low-pitched roofs. And it looks out onto the dunes. So there's just dunes behind it with a little gate. And then the front is all hedges with like a little gazebo inside and then high walls. And the walls empty out onto uh, this main street, this main avenue that runs through Sadman Beach. And he says, um, this right here is Sleepmonger House. Uh, Sleepmonger House um, is one of the poshest houses in all of Graffa and is now home to my mate Teye, whom uh, I want you to steal whatever you can from and kill all the guards if you want. Just don't kill her. Uh, can I underline that for you? Uh, she's a mate. Um, she'll have uh, Fex guards with her because she trusted more than humans or waitons, um, because they pretty much um, really enjoy their work uh, doing violence and will work for coin uh, uh, pretty assiduously if paid on time. And she probably also has some things I don't know about in there as guardians. Uh, so you can bet there'll be some facts and some um, surprises. Uh, and at night, the streets are patrolled by, um, by the plutocrats, by, by some human guards, uh, and we pirates tend to patrol everything on a cliffside down. The beaches are just weird. Uh, they're beautiful. Often mutants crawl up there. And so sometimes you find families of mutants. And very often those families of mutants are actually puppeted by the brain rats. So if you want to meet some brain rats, well, there you go. Uh, but what I would just say is, uh, remember, these are my children, my only children. They call me a pirate king. Uh, but, but in fact, uh, the more precise term would be hermaphroditic warlord. And uh, Waiton uh, hermaphrodites and females only ovulate once in a, a few moons. Um, and as you know, Kakadoon has a lot of moons and they've been out of phase. And so um, this is my last go at it, at having bairns. And I've kept them cool this whole time, but um, they're ready to bust. So uh, I'm entrusting you, as it were, uh, with the very name, uh, Steady Hand Dealer. Uh, is that clear? Is everyone all right with, with that mission? I, Crystal. Yes. I am honored. Zeshino raises her gin and drinks it. Yeah. Mergus follows. Mergus shoots. <laughs> Bino says the same. As does Beta. Um, roll a d6. Anyone who drinks it, just roll a d6. Uh, and just in case it hasn't been uh, obvious up until this point, Wythe Marshall is now the DM of this game. Yeah, I was about to say, like, we're, we're in a meet, we're in inside a different game. Five, yes. Four. Little mini game. Five, four. Uh, you feel good. You, the kaleidoscopic effect happens however you like aesthetically somewhere on your body with a five and a four. Three. Zestino got a two. I got a two. 
Okay, oh, no. three, two. Uh, yeah, you're you're you get a random, fairly large amount of kaleidoscopy happening. Uh, so you know it might be like yay big, like probably bigger than you imagined. I'm guessing, uh, and it's a little bit hard. It's a little bit like um, like new tattoo weird. Like it's a little tender and it's a little harder than than the rest of the skin. Or in the case of metal, I don't know what it would do with a, a shoot. Though maybe it doesn't work <laughs> right on a shoot. Yeah, I was I was also gonna point out that the nanites might do something to it, but I don't know. <laughs> nanites might just eat it. Nanites <laughs> might just eat it. Yeah, it might just. <laughs> It might just taste weird and like nothing happens. I think, uh, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, for Remy, what happens is it's like, it starts forming around his, like his, like the tips of his fingers, uh, but the nanites eat it. So it's just like one fingertip is like kaleidoscoped. <laughs> nice. Mercus now has a tummy plate. Nice. <laughs> it's like a helmet. Venus feels, um, it's starting near his collarbones and then two lines of these kind of, uh, spiraling shapes travel up underneath his beard um over on either side of his uh, uh of his mouth up to his eyes and then it surrounds his eyes um in sort of a druidic kind of way and he's just got kind of these uh these shapes around his eyes and then like the two almost tear kind of shape marks going all the way down Whoa. his face and down to his chest so he looks even uh, fucking cooler i think so uh, zestino's eyes get wide and she goes uh, I don't want to show anyone where it happened. <laughs> uh, and Beta is looking all over her skinny legs and she just can't find it. She's a little disappointed. I want to retcon that Remy, it's just re- five of Remy's fingernails are now kaleidosco- kaleidoscopic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he shoots, eats some pie and shakes somebody's hand at random and then just has to leave. He, he immediately has other uh, important duties. Zeshino turns around and looks at everybody and says, all right, let's go uh, steal rescue. Let's go rescue some kids. You are now leaving Float City. Thanks for listening. A small bit of news. Float City transcripts are now unlocked as of today. Thank you so, so much to everyone who did a transcript for Fun City. We are very excited to be able to open up the next batch. If you're interested in writing a transcript for us and we will pay you to do so, you can find a link in the show notes to a document that explains the whole process. Once the transcript back catalog is done, transcripts for new episodes will be available to whoever wants them on a first come, first serve basis. We'll have more info about that once we, um, you know, uh, figure out how we're going to do it. If you like the show and you want to help us keep making it, head on over to patreon.com forward slash fun city ventures. Five bucks a month gets you access to a whole other show we do called Fun Chatty. It gets you access to our rad as heck discord full of very weird, very nice and smart nerds. It gets you access to music playlists and more. It is a wild deal. You gotta get on in here. Patreon.com forward slash fun city ventures. And of course, thank you to all of our current patrons for help keeping this ship afloat. I'm Bijan Steven, and I play Remy Tester on Float City. Float City. You, can find me on- you can find me online on Twitter at Bijan Steven, B-I-J-A-N-S-T-E-P-H-E-N, on Twitch at the same name, and on Instagram at Bijan Cakes, B-I-J-A-N Cakes. I'm Jen De La Vega. I play Mercus and Meldar. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Randwiches. That's the word sandwiches, but replace the S with an R. This is Shannon O'Dell. I play Beta Combat. You can find me on social at Showdown. Hello. This is Nick Gersio, and I play Lux on Fun City and Venos on Float City. You can find me at Nicholas Gersio on Twitter and N Gersio on Instagram. You spell Gersio, G-U-E-R-C-I-O. I'm Taylor Moore, and I play all the cool, interesting characters. You can follow me at Taylor.biz. <laughs> My name is Mike Rignetta. I am your GM, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Rignetta. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at Fun City Ventures. Float City is played in a soon-to-be-released system called Still Fleet, which you can find on Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon at Still Fleet. This episode of Float City was recorded at various locations around Brooklyn, New York, and Cape Cod, Massachusetts. It was produced, edited, and sound designed by me, Mike Rignetta, for tyrannical purposes. Pixel Riffs has made this world the foundation of all, and the goddess nature, memory, and not imagination, the Holy Ghost, his inspirer. 
Fun City's music is by Sam Tyndall. Remy's flute playing is by Jake Fridkiss. Our art is by Tess Stone. The Float City art is by Ethan Gould. Our Discord mods are Olivia Goulin, Kelly McHugh, Kit Pulliam, and Kestrel. And as always, the voice of Artemis is Molly Templeton.